Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Morning. So we've been asking and answering this question, if you were looking for a church, what would you look for? And last week we discovered the answer, a steeple. (laughs) I still can't get over that 30 years later being told, I just look for a steeple. So simple, so clever, so true. But here's what we've said. We've said there are maybe three things that this is the way I would answer it. I look for a church that I could grow in. Tom talked about that that first week. And last week, I picked that up and talked about a church I could count on. What are the, man, what are the core things? Push away the nice buildings and robust programs and music and speaker and all that stuff. And this is what we come down to. And in many ways, last week answers this week. Because the third one, and I want to wrap this series together with this, is I'd look for a church I could invest in. I could pour my life, my time, my talents, my treasure into. As let's face it, being a part of a church, and I mean actually being a part, being engaged, living it out, whoo, it's a big commitment. And I don't know about you, I just want to know it counts. That's why we laid the groundwork for this last week. I want to know the, the thing that I'm investing, my talent, my time, my treasure in, I want to know that, man, it's getting to the good stuff. But Jesus talks a lot about how we invest our money and our lives, our time. And what I want to do is just take and talk about two of the most famous passages where Jesus just kind of dives into this. I think you'll find them to be enormously practical in your own life. Here's where I want to start. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, and in some ways, this, what this does for us is it shows us that a a full life, and we talk a lot about living fully. A full life is a life that's invested well. Let me read to you what Jesus said in a, a bit of a parable. It says, Then he told them, that's Jesus, a story. That's a parable. And he said, A rich man had a fertile farm. Now, Jesus, in his context, we would all be varying levels of rich. And by the world's standards, we're fortunate. So he says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. Everything's good. I mean, it's, he's doing a good job with what he has, and man, his crops are good. And, and then in verse 17, he tells us he had a conversation with himself. He says, he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Ah, then he said, I know 
I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm building bigger barns. Now, we read this and we think, how does this apply to me? Because I don't have a barn. Most of us don't. Some of you may have a barn with like a 62 Corvette in it or something like that. But most of us aren't storing grain for the winter. But oh, do we have barns. See, the barns have changed. Our barns have new names. They're called 401k and IRA. Right? We have barns. And oh, by the way, you say, is that wrong, Ben? That's the point. There's nothing wrong with barns or 401ks or IRAs. Oh, by the way, we have another type of barn. They're called storage units. <laughs> you ever thought about this, folks? We have so much stuff, we're renting extra space to store our stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> by the way, I read this. This is here on Cape Cod. There was a property in our area that had been a grocery store that was valued at $7 million. Big property. They converted it to storage units and sold it for $47 million. Apparently, there's a lot of money in storage units. Some of you just got the best investing tip of your life. You're like, I am going and opening up a storage unit. I mean, there's like, there's apparently there is money in it. Now, here's the point. There's nothing about this guy that Jesus has criticized. The barns, the crops, even the bigger barns are not a problem. But Jesus isn't quite done with the story, as you might have guessed. In verse 19, he picks it up and he says, And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But even at this point, there's not an inherent criticism in saving and enjoying. But in this story, Jesus knows something about the man, and he points it out in the next verse. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, it's easy to read this quickly and think that it's saying that God's going to kill him. That's not what it says. It doesn't even infer that. It just says that he knows. God knows. And Jesus is pointing out the story is almost over and you don't even know it. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you've scored a lot, but the game's almost over. The clock's running out and you don't even know it. And here's the problem. You haven't invested well. That's his whole point. 
His point's not a problem with barns or doing well or living well or enjoying what we have. He's just saying you didn't invest it well and the game is almost over. See, here's the truth. We don't admire people who make the most. Now, that sounds a little bit counterintuitive because we are wrapped up in the annual list of the most wealthy people in the world. Who's at the top? Who's number two? Who's shifting places? As if their $150, $250 billion has any bearing on our life. I mean, we're not, but we don't admire it. We're in awe of it. Like, whoa, what would I do with all of that? We are in awe of it, but we don't admire that. In fact, if you know someone in your life who is a server, a, a waiter or waitress at a local restaurant, and uh, all, of our, all of our kids have kind of cut their teeth on the service industry here on Cape Cod, and so we get to hear the stories, and every once in a while, a famous person will come in for dinner. It's Cape Cod, after all. And you know what everybody wants to know? I don't care what they ordered. They want to know, did they tip good? That's what everybody wants to know. And woo, if they didn't, word spreads fast. There's an expectation. Here's why. The people we admire the most are not people who made the most, but people who used it best. It's not about what we have. It's really what Jesus is saying here. It's about what you do with whatever, small or great, God has given to you. There's one other passage I want to look at, and then I'll make a few points about them. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19, 20, and 21, in this passage, he uh, he, he begins to, he, he's teaching, but he's also doing it by, by illustration. So watch what he does. He says, uh, don't store up treasures. And he's back to this investing idea. And in some ways, what he's going to do here is he's going to talk about a, a safe investment. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break through and steal. Instead, he says, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then he adds this, for wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So let me offer a couple of things that this verse makes me think of, and they're somewhat random and disconnected. It's this idea of investing in heaven is the first one. See, here's how I see it. The, the church is a community of people gathered together for worship, investing together in God's kingdom, literally in the kingdom of God, also known as the kingdom of heaven. And here's what we're doing. We're bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. Thy will be done, the famous prayer goes, on earth 
as it is in heaven. And when we give together, even though we no longer pass the basket, but whether you give online or you give in a box or however you do it, we're coming together collectively to pour into God's kingdom work on earth as it is in heaven. Here's, a, here's another thing. I'm going to quote uh, one of my early mentors, one of the guys who convinced me to come start, even though I'd never met, I just heard him on cassette tape. Have you ever heard me tell this story? His name is Rick Warren. He just retired uh, about a year or two ago. And he said something that's always stuck with me about this, and it reminds me of this passage. Here's what he said. Do your giving while you're living, and you'll be knowing where it's going. There's a lot of truth packed into a short passage. He's saying, listen, man, invest while you have the opportunity. You're giving while you're living. You'll be knowing where it's going. (laughs) Let me tell you the best investment I've ever made. Some of you have heard this story before if you've been around Cape Cod Church for a long time. But about 20 years ago, I bought the only new car I've ever bought. That was not the best investment. But it was a good investment. It was a sports car. I love cars. My son is still bitter that we sold that car. He would have loved to have been able to have that passed down. I had a license plate that said (laughs) R-E-V-V-V. I don't have the car, but I do have the license plate. (laughs) Some of you will know that was about 20 years ago and then about 15 years ago, we went into a building program and uh, Tammy and I just felt that one of the things God wanted us to do was to sell that car. Now that meant I had just paid it off. I had like five or six years, I forget the exact amount, of enjoyment for that car. It was still a great car, but man, you know how a car is after five or six years. It's not quite as awesome as when you first got it. But this one was almost as awesome. I loved it. And we just felt like that was God's moment saying, hey, here's a way you can be a part of the building program. And we sold it and we got an older, much older used car and everything was good. And honestly, that has been one of the best investments I've ever made in my life. My son doesn't agree with me, but I think most others would, would agree. But that's not the story I wanted to tell you. So there's another piece of the story I've never told. At the beginning, when we found a piece of land, we went out in the teeth of the 2008-2009 recession to borrow money. It was the worst time in the world to borrow money. We just wanted to borrow enough to buy the land, and then we were going to later raise the money to build the building. And that's exactly what we did. Well, in the process of, of that, we, we found a bank that we had never heard of. Somebody introduced it to us, and somebody introduced us to the vice president of that bank. His name was Ray. And Ray just, for whatever reason, he just kind of locked into this was a good thing. And they, they supported us all the way through. It was a great thing. But here's the best part. Ray, who lived in Rhode Island, started coming to church every week. Not online, every week. And then when we had our capital campaign, and I told the story of how we sold a car. He came to me a month or so later, and he said, Pastor Ben, my wife and I have decided to sell our car so we can give. 
And they downsized. By the way, little note, he downsized to the car I had sold, which, fun fact. It's all relative, folks. It's all relative. But none of that is the best part of the story. They gave, and behind the scenes, I was always just so grateful. I don't even know how much or what it amounted to. I just, I knew the intent of the story. Here's the best part of that story. Ray has never been in this building. Right in the middle of the process, he retired to Florida and never came back. I mean, ever. But once a year, he sends me an email just to check in on us, sort of like a banker checking in on his investment. (laughs) How you doing, Pastor Ben? How's the church? How's the family? I love getting that. He made, and every year I say the same thing. Ray, when are you coming to visit? It's been 10 years. I love that. He made an investment. And every year he's looking at seeing what is God doing because of that. Here's, a, here's another thing from this passage and I'm, I'm going to borrow from well let me, let me give it to you and then I'll tell you where it comes from and that is this direction reveals affection now I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing that from our young adults so it turns out I was getting ready for this and Britt came to me and she says you know she says the young adults spent an entire series studying a, a book on money and giving I'm like Our young adults spent, I think it was five weeks, talking about money and giving and God's intention for it. I don't know about you, I was so proud of them. I'm like, I just want to tell people. They used a book called When Money Talks, and in it, uh, the author, Andy Stanley, and we've got copies out there, he says there's five things you can do with your money, and there's five things we typically do. We can spend it, We can pay debt with it. Mm. We can pay taxes with it. We can save it. And we can give it away. And that's where others and God comes in. He said, and for most of us, that's the direction. And in many ways, what God is inviting us to do in these passages is to reverse the directions so that giving and others and what God is doing in the world is not last but first on our mind. So with that, let me wrap all of this together by giving you four what I would call investing tips. They're just four practical things that have come to play in my life and in the lives of so many others. And I have to tell you, you've heard me say it before, Cape Cod Church is one of the most generous places I know of. And I'm always in awe of that. And so I'm surrounded by a crowd of people who live this out. So here are the tips that I've seen and I've heard from you and I've seen put into play in my own life. The first 
It begins, and let me make sure I put it there, where it, it begins with a, a, a mindset because everything about giving comes from our heart. This is why the Bible says that he loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want us to give out of grudging necessity. That should never be a motivation, and guilt should never be a pressure to give. But here's how that begins. It begins with a mindset that we are managers, not owners. That everything I have is a gift from God. Every barn, every storage unit, every 401k and CD and IRA and whatever else it is, it's all a gift. And I'm a manager of it. God's put it in my life so that I could manage and steward it well, not so that I could look at it as an owner. Here's a second tip. You can add meaning to your money and your time with one question. I'm going to say that slowly. You can add meaning to your money and your time with one question. And here's the question. How can I make a difference? Man. How, how can I use this time I've been given, use my talent, use my life to make a difference? How can I use this treasure, this barn, this stuff in order to make a difference? Because here's what we know, and I'll go back to the young adult study and pull a quote from there. We know this is true. Money can't give you meaning. If you've been climbing the ladder for any length of time, you know it's 100% true. Money, no matter how much you have of it, can't give you meaning. But you can give your money your time meaning. And you do that when you ask the question, how can I make a difference with all of this that God has put in my life? All right, here's two more, and then I'm going to wrap it up. And I'll tell you, I'm going to try and wrap it up early because I got something I want to invite you to do. Here's the third. Pick a percentage. Now, you may know that the Bible talks about the idea of a tithe. The tithe is literally a percentage. It's 10%. But we live in an age of grace where our motivation for giving is grace by faith. I, I give trusting in God out of grace for what he's done, not under a, uh, a banner of law. But here's the thing about a percentage. It's relative, and it helps me to grow. It entrusts a certain portion, and it says, God, here's what I'm going to do by faith, trusting you. And then it sits back, and it watches how God enables us to do more than we would have imagined. I think that's the power of a a percentage. 
And you may, be, you, you may be at a place where you're just getting started in this. Pick a percentage that you feel like, man, I could trust God with that. Let him stretch you a little bit and then go on a journey of faith with him. Here's the, the fourth one, and I'll wrap up with this. Find a place to serve. That's part of being in community. Find a place where you can pour your life in here and serve. And you know, every November, we invite our community partners into church and we say, we want you to go and volunteer and serve with them. And every year, 50, 60, 70, 80 more people are added to their roles as volunteers. We love that because we view all of that as part of how we serve as a church, in our church, and through our community. Keep doing that. Today, we're going to finish with a a ministry fair. In other words, we've got some tables in the lobby. We've got seven or eight different areas of service, everything from hospitality and how we welcome people to our cafe, to security teams, to kids town and law. We just want you to find a place where you could explore being a part. This may be a first for you. You may have never done this and you're like, whoa, my life is so busy. I'm just inviting you to find a place. Might not be every week, might be every other week or once a month, or maybe you're ready to jump in and man, I'm, I'm every week. I just want to be a part. Maybe you've been waiting for somebody to ask you, today is your day. I'm here asking you, man, find a place to serve. Be a part of what God is doing in his church and in his community. I'll tell you, one of the most challenging things across the country for churches since COVID has been rebuilding all of those volunteer teams. Maybe you were a part of one before and haven't been for a while. Today's a great opportunity to step into that. So in a moment, we're going to close just like we always do. And then I'm going to invite you to go down to the lobby Hit the cafe, grab a cup of free coffee, whatever you want to do, and then stop by one of the tables and find a place to serve. Now, I'm really am going to finish. I just want to wrap all this. If I were looking for a church, I would go to Cape Cod Church. Now, I know that you're like, duh. <laughs> no, I mean this. I mean, if I weren't the pastor, I would go to Cape Cod Church. I mean, I know it's warts and it's struggles. I know it's weaknesses better than anybody else. Whew. But I love this place. Man. I, let, let me just I'm, a, I'm not going to re-preach the whole series on you I promise but I love it because of your commitment to grow alongside one another what, what we do as a church community is a bit unusual the fact that we've got people 
from across the spectrum, from people who are not even bought into Jesus yet and people who've just taken a step in and they're at the beginning of infancy to rebellious teenagers to mature adults. We've got everything in between. And you've got such a willingness to walk by grace with one another and be a part of a community that grows together. It's so unusual, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. I'm grateful for a church that, we talked about it last week, but just at our heart, the things that matter to God matter to us. And I'm just proud to be a part of that. And I've got to say, getting ready for this this weekend is, uh, we're in the middle of our budget season too and just coming to the end of the year. And once again, just saw God's faithfulness and goodness. But I'm particularly struck that this room is full of people who have made their church community and their giving through their time and through their treasure, such a priority. I'm always just humbled by your commitment to do that. And it's for all of those reasons. If I were looking for a church, knowing everything that I know, and I weren't the pastor, I'd go to Cape Cod Church. I'm not saying that it's the best church in the world. Yes, I am, but I'm... <laughs> I love working along other church side, other churches. And I've got friends who lead some incredible churches and there's some, there's some wonderful congregations on Cape Cod. I'm just telling you, I love what God's doing here and I love how you're a part of it. So, would you pray with me? Father, we just want to finish by thanking you. Father, this morning I've invited people to step into deeper levels of commitment. Maybe some who've been on a sideline and wondering where they fit in. Give us the faith to do that, Father, to trust you with our time and with our money. And Father, I just want to finish by thanking you for a church that we can call home, that we can be a part of, what a gift. And thank you for how you've made this place. How you've woven together all of these talents and commitments to build a community. And you've done it, Father, in just what seems like a few short years. We're so grateful. Help us to be faithful stewards of this gift, sharing the story of Jesus. A little bit of heaven on earth with our community. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.